0: My name is Gage, and you are listening to my very own mini series called Cryptids and Creatures. For centuries, legends have existed that tell of horrifying creatures stalking humanity. In this series, we'll be exploring the lore surrounding these creatures. Do devils, demons, and monsters actually exist? Or are they simply fragments of our imagination, intertwined with our innate fear of the things that we don't understand? Who knows? By the end of this, you may decide that you actually believe in monsters. everybody hi my name is gage my name is ray and yes you are still listening to gore report a true crime podcast
1: yay
0: but today we're doing something fun because we need a mental health break after the past five weeks holy shit
1: it was a journey for sure
0: so i thought that for today's episode, I would bring us another volume of Cryptids and Creatures.
1: Yes.
0: Yay. I'm super excited. Literally, I'm shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so for this episode, we're going to be exploring two more cryptids. Okay. And they're two more of my favorites.
1: Ooh. Which I mean...
0: All of them are really my favorites. <laughs> but these two really are seriously two of my utmost favorites. But um we're going like to be like cryptids in general. I really do. We're going to be talking about the Jersey Devil. Oh nice. And the Goatman of Maryland. Ooh. And if you've actually seen it, my uh biker like vest that I made that I put all the patches on, mm-hmm. I actually have a Jersey Devil patch on that vest that I got from the Mothman Museum when I visited Point Pleasant.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that.
0: It's my favorite. It's super, super cute. So I'm super excited for today's episode. The whole theme of cryptozoology, as I said in the first volume of this, it's like ingrained. It's like embedded in my blood. I identify as a cryptid. I will always identify as a cryptid. That's just what it is. But on a real note... The subject is fascinating to me because if you think about it, there have been legends and stories about scary humanoid-like beasts terrorizing humans and stalking forests for, like, hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. (laughs) It's pretty old stuff. And I think... It's just part of, like, what makes the whole concept so insanely fascinating. Like, there's so much of it. There's so many variations of scary creatures from unknown places intersecting with humanity. You have so many different cultures and so many different stories from different times that are telling of encounters with things that are, like, not of this world. Right. I don't know. It just makes me think that in some way there has to be a layer of truth to it all. You know, there's just too much of it. It has to be. And who are we to say that creatures and beasts beyond our comprehension don't exist, you know? It's just one of those things.
1: I mean, I'm a firm believer.
0: I am a firm believer. I really truly believe. These stories
1: <laughs> come from somewhere.
0: I'm telling you, and these two in particular, I mean, it gets it gets spooky. Bitch, it gets spooky. Ooh. So the two legends that we're talking about today are again some of my absolute favorites i'm really really excited to get into their stories it's gonna get real spooky you guys
1: Ooh, so spook is gonna be entering the chat very very early <laughs> yes so you guys definitely grab some snacks
0: whatever you fancy either way something fitting for our conversation about monsters So, for the first half of today's episode, we're going to be discussing the famed Jersey Devil that is said to stalk the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Okay. The Jersey Devil is also referred to as the Leeds Devil. Oh. So, a little bit of background on the Pine Barrens. It's an absolutely massive stretch of dense forest and wilderness that spans over 1.1 million acres across seven different counties in New Jersey. The Pine Barrens are also referred to as the Pines or the Pinelands, and the entire area is also very rich in history. Records of sawmills and booming charcoal industries in this area of New Jersey exist from as early as the 1600s and 1700s. So from the outside looking in, the Pine Barrens is an absolutely beautiful stretch of woods and land.
1: I was just about to say that I, I was picturing it in my head.
0: It is absolutely beautiful. During the summer and spring times, the leaves of the trees are colored with beautiful, deep shades of green, and in autumn, the Pine Barrens are engulfed in beautiful, burning shades of orange and brown. It truly looks like something out of a fantasy novel, and because of the sandy soil that covers this massive span of forest, the Pine Barrens also has its very own microclimate that causes it to be colder within the forest than in the surrounding areas. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Sometimes it's been noted to be a 6 to 8 degree difference. So it's like you walk into this forest and it immediately gets 6 to 8 degrees cooler. Well, I
1: mean, that does make sense because if you're not getting the sunlight all the way down to the ground...
0: I don't know what causes it. I just know it's referred to as a microclimate. Like, I'm totally not a meteorologist. I have no idea how the science works behind that. But I read it, and I just thought it was really, really spooky. So that main point here is that it's a very beautiful, yet very fucking spooky forest. (laughs) (laughs) And to add to the spooky side of things just a bit more, most people that have visited the Pine Barrens report that they felt... Very intense anxiety and feelings of impending dread while in the forest. Ooh.
1: Almost like a Aokigahara-type situation.
0: I mean, a little bit. There's definitely a vibe. Like, several people come out of this forest saying that they just felt really anxious. Things were not okay. It started the minute they crossed into the woods. It's just one of those things.
1: Wow.
0: So, there is a little bit of spook. There's a great deal of natural beauty And underneath that natural beauty and the vastness of the New Jersey Pine Barrens lies a dark secret. Something truly sinister is said to stalk the land. A demonic, horned, and winged creature that is so terrifying it's said to be the spawn of the devil himself. Hence the creature's name, the Jersey Devil. Ooh. So the Jersey Devil resembles a chimera. It's described as having the head of a horse, the wings of a bat, and the talons of a large bird. It'll stare at you from the darkness with its glowing red eyes as it stands on its two hooved feet.
1: He looks like a derby dragon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, he kinda
1: does. He is the epitome of what an animal looks like if you give a child pen and paper and tell them, look... This is what you're going to draw.
0: It's going to be a horse-headed, at, right, goat-legged, bat-winged creature. The
1: sketch <laughs> of the Jersey Devil looks like something a child drew.
0: Honestly, I think it's really cute. You better leave my baby Jersey Devil alone. <laughs> you better leave him His alone. His wings
1: don't even look like he could get up off the ground, bro. He looks like a overgrown chicken.
0: I love him. So, not only... Does this creature have the head of a horse, the bat wings, the talons of a large bird, all that stuff? But the Jersey Devil also has two horns protruding from the sides of its head, and it's also said to have razor-sharp teeth. It's reported as being five to eight feet tall, weighing anywhere between 250 to 500 pounds. Ugh. And the legend of the Jersey Devil goes all the way back to the early 1700s, and it's allegedly been stalking the Pine Barrens and terrorizing the locals for centuries.
1: Wow.
0: Since the birth of the Jersey Devil in 1735, there have been hundreds of reported sightings of it, and as far as the actual origin story goes, there are some slightly varying versions, but for the most part, the legend has remained pretty much the same over the centuries. It's all traced back to a family known as the Leeds family. Mm-hmm. In the early 1700s, a woman named Jane Leeds and her husband, Japhet had 12 children together. Good. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. Uh, it was said that the Leeds were very unusual people they didn't exactly have the best reputation within their community mm-hmm. so jane's father-in-law daniel leeds was at the center of some very scandalous things at this time and it all directly you know contributed to the family's negative public image so basically daniel leeds was an almanac publisher and at the time his competitor almanac publisher was benjamin fucking franklin as in one of America's founding fathers and former president, Benjamin what?
1: Franklin.
0: <laughs> yes. So, Daniel Leeds, he had several beliefs that, at the time, were ridiculously taboo. He had a fascination with things such as astrology, occultism, and science. And he was very vocal about his beliefs. Again, just very, very taboo shit for that time period. Right. It was said that Daniel Leeds was one of the only people at the time within his community to openly proclaim things such as him believing that the earth revolved around the sun, for example. He would openly talk about how he believed in astrology and science and, you know, all this crazy shit for that time period. Right. And a lot of Daniel's beliefs went directly against the teachings of the church and the surrounding community, which, by the way, were entirely made up of Quakers.
1: Oh, no. This was a
0: 100% quaker community
1: <laughs> well i i guess the ground was quaking
0: <laughs> it was it very much was the
1: ground itself was quaking
0: so when daniel would publish his almanacs along with his information that he'd learned by studying astrology and all that other stuff his writings were deemed by the community and the church as being blasphemous and entirely quote of the devil
1: Oh, God. So,
0: over time, the entire Leeds family would be heavily mocked and ridiculed by the community. They gained a reputation in town for being literal followers of Satan. And his daughter-in-law, Jane Leeds, started being accused of being a witch. So, like, this family had it rough. The Quakers were just not vibing. They were not vibing with any of this shit.
1: I feel so bad for the Leeds family.
0: The immensely negative public reaction escalated to the point where... Daniel's writings were destroyed by the Quakers. Like people oh my were,
1: God. Yes, people
0: were taking his almanacs and burning them and destroying his works like crazy shit. But in spite of this, Daniel Leeds kept publishing his works and his almanacs. In the year 1716, Daniel's oldest son, Titan Leeds, would take over the almanac publishing business. And just like his father... Titan continued to publish works and almanacs that used astrology and science as a focal point. As Titan kept publishing his works, it led to a feud with motherfucking Benjamin Franklin.
1: Oh my god. (laughs) The playboy himself. So, in
0: 1733, Benjamin Franklin would publish his own more popular almanac called the Poor Richard's Almanac. Okay. And with this almanac, he took advantage of the Leeds' poor public image. Benjamin started throwing out accusations in his almanac that Daniel and Titan, as well as the rest of the Leeds family all believed in black magic and demonology and Satan and all that kind of shit. Oh, what
1: a dick move.
0: Benjamin also stated in this one edition of the Poor Richard's Almanac that Titan Leeds was a malevolent sorcerer and that his death had been predicted by the stars. So basically, he was throwing shade at the whole astrology thing.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So after Benjamin Franklin published that, Titan Leeds would go on to publish a work afterwards. And in response to that next published work by Titan, Benjamin would, you know, take advantage and go further to bully Titan by, in his next edition of Poor Richard's Almanac, Benjamin said that Titan Leeds must be a ghost writing his books from beyond the grave because the stars, again, had already proclaimed his death. So, again... Basically saying, oh, you remember when I said the stars proclaimed his death? Well, yeah, he should be dead, so he's just a ghost, evidently. Ha ha ha, writing all of these works. Like, what is it that we said in the Greenbrier Ghost episode? That is
1: so elementary for the time period. But what was it, though?
0: We said it in Greenbrier Ghost. Old ye shade throwing. Old ye shade throwing. Like, they were just using these almanacs, and they were, Benjamin was just being a fucking dick. He was being a fucking dick.
1: <laughs> Art thou ready to throw shade?
0: Right. So Benjamin ridiculed and bullied the Leeds family continuously, and in late 1734, everything came to a breaking point.
1: What a dick, dude.
0: The surrounding Quaker community decided to completely disown and exile the Leeds family, accusing them all of being witches and followers of the devil. And this resulted in the Leeds family almanac business shutting down completely.
1: That's so much bullshit.
0: Benjamin was, of course, happy about of this. course. Because now he had no competition and the sales for his poor Richard's almanac would skyrocket. But it's like you just said. What about the Leeds family? They were now left with nothing and nowhere to turn to. They now had no business and they were exiled from their own community The Leeds family would slowly isolate themselves from the outside, and their reputation would never improve.
1: Just for being smarter than the average person.
0: I mean, right? They were, like, way ahead of their time, clearly. Literally,
1: just being smarter than the average person, and everybody flips out, oh, it's a witch trial, they must, you know, it's just...
0: mm. It's crazy shit. So all this fuckery would lead to Jane, Jaffet and their 12 children, the whole Leeds family basically, to move into a cabin that was located in a secluded marsh within the Pine Barrens. The area that they moved to is now called Leeds Point, which, fun fact, Leeds Point is a hotspot for Jersey Devil sightings.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So shortly after this move, Jane Leeds found out that she was pregnant with her 13th child. And there are some that believe that Jane was maybe even impregnated by a demon or the devil himself. Oh, shit. And as the legend goes, it's said that Jane Leeds prayed to God, begging him to let her birth a child of Satan. She would kneel and cry out, quote, God, please let this child be the devil, end quote what there are other slight variations of this legend that state that jane leeds cursed her 13th child out of frustration for their circumstances which that kind of makes sense because i mean you think about it this is the 1700s she has 12 kids their business just got shut down her family got exiled like i can kind of see that too That's just one of the slight variations that I came across while researching this story. But for the most part, it remains the same. As in, she begged and prayed to God to please let her, you know, birth a child of the literal devil.
1: I mean, not to mention it's also her 13th child.
0: And it's unlucky 13, right? right? So, I mean, it's just this whole... That's the aura of the story, and many people even refer to Jane Leeds as Mother Leeds, because, you know, they thought Mm -hmm. she was a witch, so this legend will say that Mother Leeds cursed her 13th child to literally be Satan.
1: Wow. So that's how
0: the legend starts. So to continue on, on a stormy night in 1735, something awful would happen in the Pine Barrens. As the heavy rain poured down and lightning flashed across the sky... Jane Leeds fell into a violent labor. Her 12 children, her husband, and the rest of the family waited anxiously in another room. They could hear Jane's screams through the walls.
1: Oh, God.
0: After hours of agonizing labor, Jane Leeds delivered her 13th child, a seemingly healthy, beautiful boy with blonde hair and blue eyes. After the birth, the child was wrapped in cloth, and then he was placed into Jane's arms. As she held her newborn... Jane stared into his eyes, and she noticed that they were turning from their beautiful blue color to a shade of crimson red. Oh. The baby started screaming and snarling as if it were turning into some kind of animal. And as everyone watched in horror, the child's head morphed into that of a horse, and two horns grew from its skull. As the child snarled, Bat wings tore through the flesh on his back and expanded, and his legs grew into that of a goat, complete with hooved feet. And a long, slender tail grew from his tailbone. The thirteenth child of Jane Leeds was, in fact, the devil. The creature stood in the middle of the room, growling and shrieking. God. Yeah. And then it attacked. This creature grabbed the midwife by her hair and threw her into the wall before also using its tail to split open the face of one of Jane's other children who had come into
1: Yeah! Ooh!
0: Right. What? Then, the creature flew up the brick chimney, escaping into the storm, disappearing into the darkness of the Pine Barrens.
1: I don't like it.
0: Thus, the Jersey Devil, or the Leeds Devil was born
1: the vibes are not (laughs) likable
0: and since that night in 1735 it's said that the jersey devil has stalked the land ever since
1: oh my god
0: very quickly after the creature's birth the quakers started seeing the creature in the surrounding pine barrens gossip spread through new jersey that jane Leeds had birthed Satan's offspring and cursed it to haunt the land.
1: Holy shit.
0: Everyone started associating this winged horse-headed devil creature with the Leeds family. People started referring to it even as the Leeds Devil, which you've heard me mention it a couple of times, but that was the original name for this creature was the Leeds Devil. And it was also discovered a little later on that the Leeds family crest was actually a wyvern. I hope I'm saying that right. Um but basically it's a dragon. So this just added fuel to the whole Leeds family being responsible for the devil creature thing. Oh, god! You know the symbol of the wyvern was taken and immediately associated with witchcraft and dark magic.
1: Oh my god!
0: Which is you know absurd as fuck, but uh, this mean, is what happened. This is what the Quakers did.
1: It's definitely absurd, but oh my god! Just to think if that was possible—that's
0: fucking wild. Uh, it's crazy. So, a little over a century after the birth of the Leeds Devil, a surplus of sightings started happening throughout the southern and western regions of New Jersey. The original story of how the devil had been born was passed down through the generations from one family to the next. And this sudden burst in sightings of the creature kind of revived the fear that it struck into people, if that makes sense. So, this is the era in which the name Jersey Devil Was eventually given to the creature.
1: Oh my god, I just got chills.
0: And sightings of the Jersey Devil are actually embedded in history in some pretty wild ways. Several government officials, police officers, and even various store owners in this time period of the early 1800s are documented that they had seen the Jersey Devil. There's recorded sightings of it. There are police reports that speak about large hooved tracks being found in the snow, tracks that seemed to have come from a bipedal animal.
1: Oh, my God.
0: There are several farmers in this area that reported waking up to find their livestock decapitated and shredded <gasps> to pieces.
1: Ooh. And
0: near their farmland, there would always be mysterious large hooved tracks found, again, appearing to come from a bipedal animal. Creepy shit. Bipedal meaning walking on two legs. Right. So... Super super weird shit. Now get this. Joseph Bonaparte who is the older brother of fucking Napoleon.
1: Oh my God.
0: And former king of Spain during the era of the Napoleonic Wars. um, He had diary entries where he described seeing the Jersey Devil.
1: Oh my God.
0: Joseph wrote in his journal about a wild game hunting trip he was taking in Bordentown, New Jersey. While in the woods hunting, he wrote about seeing a large winged Horse headed devil. This creature stood before him, hissing and flapping its large wings. He supposedly shot at the creature out of fear, and then the creature let out this one last scream or screech, essentially, and then it flew away, escaping into the trees.
1: Wow. Which is
0: fucking crazy. Joseph Bonaparte. Stephen Decatur, a lieutenant and naval war hero from the 19th century, also had a supposed encounter with the Jersey Devil. It is said that he saw the creature when he was making a visit to the handover mill located in New Jersey. He was going to inspect the cannonballs that were being forged there. Mm-hmm. And while there, he decided to visit a cannonball shooting range that was nearby. And it was there that Stephen encountered the creature. He claimed to see a giant bat winged creature with a horse's head and devil's tail flying above the trees at the range in a panic. He quickly loaded a cannonball and fired it directly towards this unknown creature, and the blast from the cannonball made the creature snarl and fly away.
1: Okay, now I'm even more of a believer, because when you have more than one person
0: describing something eerily similar the
1: same freaking thing
0: (laughs) right like it's absolutely fucking wild Mm. it truly is wild like i believe in all cryptids i truly do but like the jersey devil along with like mothman like i really believe in these i truly truly do um whether their origin story i believe in i mean Kind of, yes. Kind of, I don't know. But regardless, do I believe that there's a creature out there like this? Absolutely. Again, who's to say that there's not? So, over the next hundred years, sightings of the Jersey Devil threw people into a fear-driven panic. Farmers were still waking up and finding their livestock dead and severely mutilated.
1: Oh, my God. The locals
0: were still seeing the creature in the woods and perching on their rooftops. Merchants even started making reward posters, like wanted posters, offering hefty cash rewards to anyone that could capture the beast. And hunters became so consumed with killing the Jersey Devil that they started killing horses and other various animals and then mutilating their bodies to make them appear like the Jersey Devil.
1: Oh my god.
0: Like, yeah, there were even cases in which hunters were trying to sew fake wings onto dead animal carcasses. So that they could then get that cash reward. What? Like, it's really fucking insane. I'll actually post a picture of one of these old wanted posters that was put out for the Jersey Devil on our socials if you guys would like to see that. It's actually pretty fascinating. I mean, it's absolutely wild,
1: it's crazy.
0: But it would be the course of a famous week in January of 1909 that the legend of the Jersey Devil would start transitioning from a mere folk legend to something a little more real. Oh, God. So during the week of January 16th to January 23rd, 1909, the Jersey Devil was seen by hundreds of people throughout southern New Jersey and Pennsylvania. The creature was really making its presence known like fucking hardcore. Newspapers all over the place were publishing hundreds of reported sightings during this week, and it sent the entire Delaware Valley, New Jersey area into fucking hysteria.
1: Oh, God.
0: The first sighting that week to happen took place in Bristol, Pennsylvania. In the early morning hours of January 17, 1909, a police officer pulled over on the side of the road after seeing a large winged creature flying over the road. He reported that the creature was making a loud, blood-curdling screeching sound as it flapped its giant leather-like wings.
1: Oh, God.
0: He shot his pistol at the creature a few times, and it flew away into the wilderness. A man named William Cronk described in the January 22, 1909 edition of The Press... He said that he was home eating dinner with his family when all of a sudden the shadow of a large winged creature appeared right outside the kitchen window. And he could hear the loud screeching and hissing coming from outside. When he ran outside with his gun, the creature was nowhere to be found. Only mysterious hooved footprints were left behind in the snow.
1: Oh, that's so creepy.
0: Right. Another incident... That happened uh, that same week happened in Haddon Heights Township, New Jersey, where a trolley that was full of passengers was attacked by an extremely large winged creature. (laughs) The passengers reported hearing loud screeching and snarling before a giant creature landed on top of the trolley, stomping on the roof, busting out windows and putting dents in the top of it. Like, on the top of the trolley. Several passengers screamed in terror as this beast continued to stomp about and release, you know, these loud piercing screeches. It's fucking crazy. This got to a point where several schools in the Delaware Valley area closed down that week. Due to everyone fearing that this creature could just appear and attack at any time. Businesses started closing before sunset so no one would be out after dark. Groups of hunters started looking for the Jersey Devil avidly in response to a $10,000 cash reward that was eventually posted by the Philadelphia Zoo.
1: Oh, God. And
0: it offered that $10,000 to anyone who could capture and kill the Jersey Devil. And this big cash reward, in turn, sparked several people to start, you know, as before, faking and hoaxing. Right. That they had caught the creature. There was a fisherman that came forward in late January of 1909 that claimed to have fought and killed the creature. He even had bruises and gashes all over his arms when he told the local reporters about the encounter.
1: Oh, my God.
0: He was claiming to have captured the Jersey Devil, and he further claimed that it was in his shed he even yeah he even had friends and family backing his story up saying that he in fact had killed the beast and that they saw it with their own eyes but this fisherman's story was eventually written off as a hoax because he refused to ever show anyone the creature saying that he didn't see fit to expose it to the public eye
1: oh it was one of those
0: but get this shit this actually made me laugh super like the imagery behind this it's I don't know. I can't I can't help it. It made me laugh. I just okay. it's fucking insane. Like it goes to show just how crazy this shit got. But the most famous Jersey Devil hoax happened when a publicist for the Art Street Museum in Philadelphia took complete advantage of the hysteria surrounding the Jersey Devil oh, at God. this time. His name was Norman Jeffries, and he published false stories claiming to have captured the devil. He told the townspeople that it was being kept in the basement of the museum. So when people started lining up outside to see the creature, this man actually let everyone in to see a painted kangaroo with fake wings attached to its back.
1: Oh my god.
0: (laughs) needless to say no one was happy about it and it wouldn't be until 20 years after this that norman would admit to the public that the whole thing was a hoax so that was 20 years after so when this happened he
1: finessed the fuck out of all of them yes
0: he had people outside being like what the fuck oh my (laughs)
1: god A painted
0: kangaroo with wings like oh my goodness i can't i fucking can't So that famous week in 1909 will forever be known as the time that the Jersey Devil was at its most active. It left a permanent impact on the entire state of New Jersey and its citizens. But the sightings never stopped. In 1925 and in 1951, there were instances in which people came forward to say that they had found the Jersey Devil's dead body. No one was able to properly identify these found corpses due to the advanced stages of decomposition, so their claims were not given any, like, real thought or, like, real credibility. Um, Since the 1950s, sightings of a creature that matches in description to the Jersey Devil have been reported in places as far as even Tennessee. Whoa. Crazy shit. And sightings still avidly occur today throughout New Jersey. In 2004, a woman named Lori Winkleman reported having a truly terrifying encounter with the Jersey Devil. Lori lived in an isolated piece of land near the Wharton State Park in the Pine Barrens. One night, immediately after a snowstorm had come through the area, Lori had taken her three children in to eat supper. She forgot, however, that she left her Christmas lights plugged up outside. Lori, as well as her oldest child, Glenn, went outside to unplug the lights And when Lori made it to the utility pole to unplug everything, she noticed that her son was staring up at the night sky, pointing with a look of absolute horror on his face. So when Lori looked up to see what her son was looking at, she was frozen in fear. She saw a giant winged creature with a serpentine tail perching in the trees above, staring down at them with its red eyes. The creature leaped and started flying right at Lori and Glenn, Lori quickly grabbed Glenn and ran inside to escape the creature. Lori said that the creature landed on the roof right as she made it into her front door with Glenn. Like then, were the
1: eyes glowing?
0: Kinda, yeah. From what I from the way that I processed this story, yes
1: oh my god then
0: she heard what she described as a metallic sounding click clacking like across the roof as if the creature was walking across it the encounter scared everyone so bad that Lori, her husband and all of her kids slept in the kitchen together that night now get this shit the following morning Lori's husband inspected the roof and they found what seemed to be hoofed footprints from a bipedal creature all over the place on their roof. Oh, my God. They photographed these prints and went to the media about the encounter. It's some super chilling shit. And, like, I don't know. I saw a picture of these tracks, and it spooked me a little bit. Like, it truly did. Oh, my God. And when regional wildlife experts and local hunters looked at the photos of these tracks, they couldn't identify them.
1: Oh, my Man. So,
0: yeah, I'm going to be posting the picture of these tracks to our socials if you would like to see them. We're going to have a little photo dump for the Jersey Devil and then, of course, Goatman when we get there. But, yeah, super creepy shit. Let me see it. You want to see them? I want to see it. Okay, let me show you real quick. These are the tracks found on Lori Winkleman's roof. Oh, shit. Right. It is spooky. So, again... I'll be posting that. You can decide for yourself what you believe, but uh, yeah. One of the most recent sightings of the Jersey Devil came from a man named David Black in 2015. David said that he was driving past a golf course in Galloway Township located in New Jersey when all of a sudden a giant winged creature moving through the trees caught his attention. Unsure of what the creature was, David pulled over and attempted to snap a photo of the creature. And he caught it just as it was flying away. David posted this photo online and it caused a bit of a frenzy. Of course, you know, you're going to have your skeptics to immediately discredit these types of things. But there's another half of people who truly believe that David captured a photo of the Jersey Devil. And I will also be posting David's photo that he captured on our socials for those of you that would like to see it then as i just said you know decide for yourself what you believe is fucking insane the continued sightings of the jersey devil occurring over the centuries have definitely split the area of new jersey into two groups of people the skeptics and then the people that believe wholeheartedly that the jersey devil is something far more terrifying and far more real than an old folk legend Okay. <laughs> and that let me be formal about it concludes the story of the Jersey devil. That is all am, the information I have for you.
1: <laughs> I am very 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 highly uncomfortable right now when you have that many people saying the same thing over and over and over again.
0: Right? Through like many different How areas. How is it a
1: lie if you've got all these people who don't know each other? You have all these people saying that they saw this thing.
0: It's absolutely crazy. I'm telling I you. I don't like Like it. I said in the beginning of this, I believe in the Jersey Devil, and I think me and you should go to the Pine Barrens so we can find him and give him a hug. Because I think Down. he's misunderstood. Let's go. What if he's not this horribly evil, cursed 13th child? Of the devil or whatever. What if he's actually just a sweet, sweet little derpy dragon like you said?
1: But wait, wait. That's how you die, Gage. That's how we die. Well, if he takes me, he takes me. And that's just how it's going (laughs) to (laughs) be.
0: So, now that we've concluded the Jersey Devil, we can now move on to our next creature, the Goatman. Oh, God. Now... There are several different Goatman legends from different areas of the world and the US, but the one that I am covering today is the Goatman that haunts Prince George's County in Maryland. And the stories surrounding this creature are eerie enough to make anyone second guess walking alone in the woods at night. Like, oh for my fucking God. sure. I mean, the Jersey Devil story creeps me out, but the Maryland Goatman story fucking creeps me out. Like, it creeps uh. me out. So the mysterious goat man of Prince George's County is said to be a murderous, horned, goat and human hybrid that wields an axe or a hatchet. Oh, God. He's described as standing on two hind legs and being anywhere from six to eight feet tall. And it's said that he's been terrorizing the Prince George's County area for decades the goat man has even been known to attack humans and decapitate dogs.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Sightings of this creature have been reported all over Prince George's County and also in the towns of Beltsville and Bowie. So, Beltsville, it sits in the northern part of Prince George's County, and it's a small town spanning only seven miles, roughly. Okay. The population there is less than 20,000, I believe, mm-hmm. and the area is surrounded by dense woods, a road called... Fletchertown Road in Bowie is a particular hotspot for Goatman sightings. Oh, God. This road is actually where the alleged first sighting happened in the late 1970s.
1: You know what this means. Road trip.
0: Road trip. Jersey Devil and Goatman. I'm so down. Right? I am down. But going back to Beltsville, because Beltsville plays a very important part in all of this uh, Mm Goatmanry. Let me further explain a little bit about Beltsville. So it was named after Truman Belt. In 1835, he owned the Locust Grove Plantation, and he was also responsible for one of the first railroad systems to be built in Prince George's County. Mm -hmm. This railroad was the B&O, or Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. This railroad connected Baltimore and Washington, D.C. by railway. And this, along with the Washington-Baltimore Turnpike, was the start of Beltsville becoming a thriving community, with focal points on agricultural research. Okay. The railways are also heavily responsible for Beltsville's growth and development. It brought tons of new people into Beltsville, growing the community significantly. In 1910... Beltsville and its advancements with agricultural research would be marked by the opening of the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center, also known as BARC.
1: Yay!
0: Yay! This center would thrive and eventually expand its operations through the 1930s and 1940s. And thanks to the advanced research that was going on in this center, it steadily became more and more famous. Beltsville was known for using livestock as research subjects since
1: 1911.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Dairy cows, pigs, hens, and even turkeys were all very common animals to be tested at this center. And different types of plants and disease-causing bacteria were also tested heavily at the Beltsville Research Center.
1: Okay, so... If it's for research purposes on how to better your livestock or whatever, I could get that. But testing on animals, I can't get with that.
0: Uh, It's definitely not cool. And I'm about to further explain, you know, that. in specifics. So, because it all plays a very creepy part. And like all of this, because what I'm telling you now about Beltsville and this research center, this is actual history. This is not part of the legend. This is actual history. So some of the most known accomplishments of this center include the discovery of a new life form called a viroid, which, if I remember correctly, is basically like a type of microorganism that predominantly affects plants. It's smaller than a virus, but it doesn't have either a cell wall or a protein coat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not a scientist, but, you know, <laughs> that was a milestone for the Bark Research Center. I would say so. This center was also known for its advanced studies in the field of population genetics, which is a field within evolutionary biology and also a subfield of genetics. It deals with studying genetic differences within and among various animal and plant populations. Oh. Studies in this field include adaptation, speciation and even population structure. Wow. So from 1930 to 1939, bark researchers also observed and tested various drugs on horses, chickens, turkeys and goats to see, you know, how they oh, would react to them. Oh no. The Beltsville Research Center was also known for studying the modification of animal DNA in order to breed animals that were more fit to produce for the masses. Okay. Examples of this include hens that are genetically modified to lay larger eggs and even dairy cows that are genetically modified to produce more milk. So this place has a history of animal testing and DNA modification. And funny enough, that information becomes twice as creepy when you find out that the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center is where the most famous Goatman origin story takes place.
1: Oh, my God. A
0: lot of people truly believe that the Goatman was born, or should I say, created there.
1: I hate all of that, though. Stop messing with nature.
0: Right, that's what I'm saying. Let nature be nature. You're going to have murderous, axe-wielding, goat men that are angry at humans (laughs) i don't
1: give a fuck what your degree says leave nature alone
0: right right but good god that's not the same as like genetically modifying and you know doing all this other stuff
1: doing it for profit
0: right so as this story goes the goat man was the result of a science experiment gone terribly wrong in the early 1970s at this research center in beltsville okay In the process of trying to combine human and goat DNA, a scientist at the Bark Research Center accidentally created a true monstrosity. This is
1: why I said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A human and goat hybrid beast that displayed an extremely vicious personality while also seeming to possess supernatural strength. This creature went into a violent frenzy and no one could stop it. The creature escaped the laboratory, running into the dark wilderness where it would go on to start wreaking havoc on Prince George's County. Oh, my God. And me, personally, the only thing I can think to say about all this is, you know, this scenario, it's all too familiar to me. Did we fucking not learn anything from the first Pokemon movie, the one with Mewtwo? (laughs) (laughs) Did we fucking not learn anything? They were trying to recreate Mew. They had him all fucked up in this test, too. He got angry at the humans. And what did he do? He busted out, wreaked havoc on everything. Like, did we not learn anything from you two, you guys? Come on. Like, what the fuck? But this story is very creepy, even if it does sound a little sci-fi-ish. And I mean, the fact that this research center has a literal history in messing with animal DNA, including that of goats, amongst other things, I mean, it's a little fucking spooky.
1: It reminds me of that one really, it's like a movie from the 80s or 90s, I believe, but it was called Man's Best Friend. That's what it reminds me of. I don't think a, I've ever seen that. It was like a um, a test animal Like they were testing on dogs and stuff like that. And this Rottweiler was like super smart, but he's yeah. If I remember the title right, it is man's best friend. I don't know any of the actors. I can't give you more than that. But (laughs) that's what I know. But that's what it sounds like because the dog broke out and he was just Right. I'm telling you,
0: Mewtwo, this dog, it's all too familiar. We should learn Mm. from our mistakes. Um another variation of the origin story states that the goat man was actually an angry goat farmer whose rage turned him into a half goat half human demon. Evidently he was this goat farmer. He loved his goats like they were his whole world basically. A group of teenagers came and slaughtered his goats as he slept and he woke up the next day to find that all of his precious goats were dead. So the story That's goes so that sad. yeah, the story goes that he basically in rage started wielding an axe and separating himself from humans, and then he just morphed into this angry half goat, half man creature that wanted to take revenge on humans. I so, don't
1: believe the whole morphing thing, but I mean the scientist one sounds a little more plausible.
0: However, yeah the whole the whole science experiment gone wrong is but, by far the most well known version. Is so
1: sad, Gage.
0: Yeah, both of it. It's all of so it's sad. really sad. All of this is really sad. We got a cursed 13th child, Derpy yeah. Dragon Jersey Devil. Yeah. We got goats, goats in the labs, Mewtwo scenario flashback. Like it's, just, it's it's, it is sad. It really is sad. Sightings of a vicious goat human like creature in Maryland can be traced as far back as 1957. Okay. During that year, several young couples and teenagers reported seeing a large, human-like beast standing on two legs skulking in the woods around Prince George's County. One young couple in particular reported that a large beast standing on two legs attacked their car with a hatchet or an axe. Oh, shit. The multiple sightings of this creature sent the citizens of Maryland into a panic. People started referring to this creature as the Goatman. And the goat man started appearing to the locals more and more frequently.
1: I don't like this.
0: Throughout the 1960s and 1970s, sightings and violent encounters with this creature continued to happen. In 1971, a farmer in Prince George's County came forward claiming that one of his pigs had been killed by the goat man, and he claimed that he saw the whole thing.
1: Oh, man.
0: This farmer said that he ran out to his pig pen after hearing a loud commotion. One of his pigs were squealing as if it were in pain. It was in the middle of the night, and the farmer said that he got to the pen and he saw a huge, half goat, half human creature with horns and red eyes kneeling down, tearing the organs out of one of his pigs with its teeth. Oh my
1: God.
0: Also in 1971, one of the most famed encounters with the goat man takes place. So it was on November 3rd of that year, and a Bowie, Maryland resident named April Edwards was at home with her family, and her dog, who was a German Shepherd named Ginger. April was 16 years old at the time, and she had some of her friends over that night to hang out. Okay. So while Ginger, the dog, was in the backyard playing, April and her friends were also out there just kind of hanging out and talking, and all of a sudden... The girls noticed something unusual in the field that sat beyond the backyard. It was the dark silhouette of what seemed to be a large animal covered in fur. The girls stared at the mysterious figure for a few moments, trying to figure out what it was, and this animal all of a sudden just stood up on its hind legs and started making a loud growling sound. Oh no! Crazy shit. The girls were paralyzed by fear, and they watched the shadow of this creature walk along the tree line, quickly disappearing into the night. That's a
1: fuck no for me. That is a fuck
0: no for me, exactly. Even though the encounter had shaken the girls up a bit, they tried to keep it off their mind. When everyone went to bed that night, Ginger was left out in the backyard to sleep in her pen. That's where she slept.
1: Why would you leave the dog outside if... but why...
0: So the next morning rolls around, and April wakes up to find that Ginger is nowhere to be found. No! Initially thinking that Ginger just simply escaped her pen, April and her family went out to look for her, and one of the first places they looked was the nearby railroad tracks that sat a little ways past the backyard of their house. And sadly, this is where the search would come to an end. After spotting what seemed to be a ball of fur laying near the railroad tracks... April and her relatives realized, as they got closer, that it wasn't just some random mass of fur. It was actually Ginger's decapitated head.
1: Oh, my God. And
0: the rest of her body was nowhere to be found. And it was never recovered either.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So this story spread very, very quickly throughout Bowie and the surrounding towns and cities, April and her family had made it clear that the night before Ginger was killed that they saw this giant furry creature standing on two legs right outside of their backyard. They believed that what they saw was, in fact, the feared Goatman, and they also believed that the Goatman was responsible for the gruesome killing of Ginger.
1: I don't like it.
0: I don't like it. The community became filled with fear and anxiety, and the attack was very quickly blamed on the axe-wielding Goatman of Prince George's County. So people started keeping their animals and even their children inside during nighttime hours after this incident. Everyone was absolutely terrified that this evil goat man thing could just behead them at any time, you know. And it would be on November 10th, 1971, uh, when the Prince George's County newspaper published an article in their paper titled, quote, Residents fear Goatman lives, dog found decapitated in Old Bowie, end quote.
1: Oh my god.
0: This article was written by Karen Hostler, and at the time she had already published some stories regarding mysterious creatures that appear in Maryland. This article in particular spoke about the brutal decapitation and killing of april's dog ginger and the possible connection to the axe-wielding goat man that said to haunt prince george's county this article also mentioned a surplus of other encounters that the locals had had with the goat man around that time so yeah people are really really becoming afraid right like extremely on november 30th of that same year the washington post also published a story regarding the goat man the headline read quote a legendary figure haunts remote Prince George's woods. End quote. And that article was really when the story of Maryland's goat man became sensationalized. It was broadcasted to the whole country, basically. Oh wow. But the horrifying encounters with the goat man continued for the people of Maryland. Shortly after the Washington Post headline was published, people all over Prince George's County kept reporting weird things that were happening to them. People reported that their cars had been vandalized.
1: What?
0: Yes, and graffiti even started popping up all over the place that would read things like, quote, Goatman was here. And, like, shit like that. Realistically, this was all probably the work of some local teenagers that wanted to play pranks on everyone, but still. Kind of spooky stuff. Like, if anything, what's scary about it is the note of hysteria. Right. Hunters even started forming parties to go and hunt for the Goatman regularly. A resident of Fletchertown Road in Bowie named Evelyn Johnson actually had to call the police several times to have them evacuate Goatman hunters from around her house because all the hunters in their oh, trucks...
1: No. They were, like,
0: blocking the road off, and Evelyn was just frustrated as fuck with it. Like, shit was getting crazy. Everybody was looking for this Goatman. No. But the one thing that was reported the most at the time, even more so than the vandalized vehicles and the graffiti, was still sightings of a horrifying beast. And all the different accounts of the creature all match in description for the most part.
1: Here we go again.
0: Right. And the sightings have continued to plague Maryland, even into the present day. There's hundreds of terrifying Goatman encounters that have been recorded from the 1950s to now. And even though the legend of this terrifying beast has been touched by time, the details still somehow remain consistent. Everyone that reports seeing the goat man reports seeing a tall, hideous, fur-covered humanoid that has the torso of a man with the head and legs of a goat, and is more times than not seen staring at people from the darkness of the woods, holding an axe or a hatchet. And that concludes Cryptids and Creatures Volume Two: The Jersey Devil and Goatman.
1: I feel like this entire episode, all I said was, "Oh my god!" <laughs> just
0: that's usually how it goes. Oh
1: my god! Just oh my god!
0: It's super chilling. But shit, I honestly right?
1: feel like we have a road trip coming up for sure.
0: Absolutely, I would. I would love to go to Beltsville and Bowie. And I would love to go to the Pine Barrens. I say we do it.
1: I'm ballsy enough to say yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, I think it will be fun, even if we are greeted by the somewhat derpy devilish dragon that is the Jersey Devil, or maybe even chased into the wilderness by an axe wielding goat man creature. Right. I think it'll be fun. If anything, figure out a route. If anything, we can just get like pancakes or something like pancakes near Beltsville or Bowie or the Pine Barrens, that might be good enough for me. I'd be all right with that. I hear you. (laughs) So what do you think, though? Because I know you haven't really heard these stories before this episode. Do you believe? I was
1: somewhat already familiar with the Jersey Devil, but I didn't know what he looked like until, until, like, I had noticed the patch on your jacket, but I was like, okay, it's like some something that i don't know of that's fine i'm cool with that
0: right 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 (laughs) these legends really really intrigue me i don't know i just know
1: when you showed me the picture and then you showed me the the hoof marks on top of the roof (laughs) i am not okay
0: oh i also need to show you the picture that david black took of the jersey devil when he said he caught it as it was flying away this was the picture what? <laughs> I know you guys can't see it. I will be posting it on the what? socials. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: It looks like a flying
0: goat. goat.
1: <laughs> it looks like a flying goat.
0: Again, you guys, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you'll be able to find our photo dumps for this case, as usual. I had a lot of fun with this episode. Right? Honestly, I'm just so thrilled. That we did not have to talk about Gacy or Bundy today. I'm
1: telling you because... I am
0: so happy. My God, it feels good to do something a little less awful and a little more spooky, you know?
1: Right, right. But the whole process of covering Bundy for the past three weeks and then you covering Gacy for the past two weeks before that, it's just... It's been a while. Uh, I am so glad that it's over. I was getting <laughs> really emotionally, like just drained. frustrated right. And drained I know... and frustrated because I was so sick of this man,
0: but you know who the real MVPs are? All of you listening, because you suffered with us for five straight weeks. Yes. So it was fun to do something a little spooky today. Hopefully I'll have a volume three of this series coming semi soon. I definitely want to work on it a little more, but I'm freaking spooked. The Jersey right? Devil and Goatman, they're incredible. And I love I them. And I
1: want to say that I am working on my own side project. I'm not going to reveal what it is yet, but I am working on my own side project and it may or may not be released soon.
0: Oh, your very own mini series. Yes.
1: Ooh. Ooh.
0: So yeah, you guys, this was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to follow me and Ray and all of our weird will, I have awesome news for you. You can do that.
1: You can find us on Facebook at
0: Gore Report, a true crime podcast. On Instagram. At Gore Report Podcast.
1: And Twitter. And don't forget our email, guys.
0: Gore Report pod at gmail.com.
1: Yay!
0: So, uh, before we go, I actually do have one final question for everybody. After listening to everything that I had to say, from the spooks of the Jersey Devil to the naughty nonsense of the Goat Man, my final question is, Do you believe...